With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Alrighty, James, welcome to the very first episode of Freya's Free Practice Fridays, which is allegedly what this podcast is going to be named. (laughs) Although currently taking submissions, there are some phenomenal uh, ideas on the Discord. Um, Let's read a couple of those out. We might need some... uh, sound bites ready to go because there is a certain mm. word that begins with F which seems to be necessary um, when it comes to fe- featuring on Freya's Free Practice Fridays. Um, so mm. there is the obvious um, Freya's Free Practice Fridays. There's also the Friday Female F1 Feelings Fest. Yes. <laughs> there is also fr- <laughs> it's it's also the agreement at the end of that I just find phenomenal. Mm. Uh, we've also got Freya's fun F1 Friday flat functioning Ferrari Fiat Ferrari fiasco. I think that was your. I think that's actually my suggestion. Was <laughs> it's very late yeah. on a Wednesday <laughs> lighting on Discord. Yes, yeah, very good by me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my favourite so far. Uh, we also have, well, of course, uh, not biased mm. at all, um, and of course we do have uh, fat Zach Fridays, um, which I think mm. might not age well. Um, it's quite relevant <laughs> to current feelings amongst um, many fans at the moment. Uh, so mm. open to taking submissions, anyone out there, whether it's on Discord, YouTube um, or listening um, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, um, any ideas. You are probably more creative than any of us, um, although we do love alliteration. <laughs> so if that's not fair, if that doesn't that, feature Tommy. in your <laughs> free practice Fridays, um, then no, no deal. Try again. Um, <laughs> in terms of what we, how we thought these, these <laughs> free practice Fridays might go, first of all, just running through some news of the week. Um, we're going to highlight some, some people in the F1 world who we might not mm. hear from as frequently um, and and kind of talk about what the rundown has been and kind of um, fallout from previous weeks. Um, so starting with that news of the week, Oscar Piastri, the news is that there's no news. Did you think we'd have an outcome by now, James? Well, it seems that everyone in the Formula One paddock were convinced that uh, they would have something to talk about. Uh, especially one Will Buxton, who at the very start of the weekend warm-up uh, video was like, we're going to have some news. And then by the end of it, basically said, look, Lawrence Barreto is going to write it at, you know, five past midnight uh, after they finally release something. Look, I think there's probably a little bit of confusion around what the contract recognition board actually is. Uh, from my understanding, it's a bunch of lawyers sitting around opening envelopes and talking about certain things. It's not necessarily like, you know, Campy <laughs> being up there as the judge and Tommy T and Manus and, and you and me as the jury trying to decide I on object. who's more correct. You're in <laughs> exactly. the bin. I mean, in my mind, mentally, that is a phenomenal thing. And maybe actually, um, <laughs> here is another idea is Frey's contract recognition board Fridays. <laughs> Um, where if you have any anything you need to bring to the table, doesn't have to be to do with Formula One at all. Bring it to us, uh, and uh, she will have the uh, the judge, jury, executioner mindset oh, like uh, for you, dear listener. Uh, 
<laughs> but I think it's uh, I think for, from my point of view, it's a very interesting time that we find ourselves in. Quite the, the only thing that we know for certain at the moment is that Seb Vettel's leaving. Fernando Alonso is driving for Aston Martin in 2023 and beyond because he wouldn't have just done a one-year contract. And Daniel Ricciardo is not driving for McLaren. We don't know who's driving for McLaren. We don't know who's driving for Alpine alongside Esteban Ocon. And we don't know necessarily what Oscar Piastri is going to be doing. Now, there are many, many people now being thrown around for certain seats at different teams. Pierre Gasly for Alpine, for example. Colton Herter has now entered the frame as someone who potentially might have some uh, some interest from the Red Bull junior pool as well. But honestly... It's actually I am I'm over it, Freya. If I'm honest, <laughs> I'm sick of the uh, the clickbait headlines. I'm sick of F1. Well, I've always been sick of F1 Twitter, but the the nonsense is a little bit ridiculous. Um, I think the the sort of respect for Daniel Ricciardo needs to be first and foremost as a DR defender. I would, of course, I'm going to say that. Um, but he's got a couple of races now left with this team, eight so uh, eight in total rather. Um, and quite honestly, we need to be ready for the, the maybe the thought that he is going to take a sabbatical or he's going to retire. And I said that earlier in the week uh, on our review podcast of the Belgian Grand Prix. And he's not going to go to Haas. He's not going to go to Williams. He's not going to go to Alpha Tauri. And considering all of those teams have a seat free next year, uh, Alpine really is the only thing that makes sense for him. Uh, or he's uh, back to just being exclusively a merchandise distributor, taking Freya all of your money every time he drops something via email. He does not need a $24 million buyout because that's probably the amount that over the course of my lifetime I will spend on his merchandise. (laughs) The best part about the recent drop is that it's climate friendly in my world. So, you know, bucket hat, that's what I need in my life. I don't need another No, you need two hoodies um, exclusively and that's it. Two (laughs) DR hoodies. No other merchandise for your. Which I have. Very, when it gets down to, <laughs> oh, it's very cold here. How how warm is it, Freya? Twenty eight. Oh dear, chilly. Put them both on. Double layers. <laughs> That's important. And I promise that in my recent purchasing spree, there were no track pants involved. They are not part <laughs> of my purchase. <laughs> Oh, very good. I think uh, something that I think you need to get is that bucket hat, though. Oh yeah, and no, you that's need done. BB's bucket hat, so you can interchange lemons. And uh, and lemons and beers. And beers. Yeah, I mean, I'm here for that. One has already been purchased. The other one, not far off, let's be honest. <laughs> um, no, do you know what, though? Excellent. You, you're completely right. It's getting absolutely ridiculous. Silly season is doing what it says on its tin, that is for sure. And I think what's funny, what I find kind of amazing, is that you start off in these kind of, um, you know, with these kind of open seats, whatever it might be, and the obvious options are there. So, you know, the Alpine seats um, opened up and everyone goes, oh, well, you know, McLaren, you know, have ditched Ricardo. He's going to go back to Alpine. Oh, no, it's going to be Priastri, this, that, and the other. You've kind of got these obvious choices. I just find it amazing how quickly all of these people who weren't even in kind of the scope of questioning are suddenly up for grabs as well. It's like Colton Herder doesn't even have a super licence. Mm. Gasly, he already has a contract mm. you know like all of these people going where is this coming from sometimes like I mean again often they are based on tenuous links or conversations or you know um, a driver's girlfriend wearing 
merch and what does that mean? Maybe he's a reserve driver. <laughs> well, maybe George Russell's girlfriend is actually the next Alpine driver. I don't know. We could be seeing our first female F1 driver Ooh. next year um, and we'll see an inter-couple battle. I don't know. Like that's about as sensible as it gets these days. So there's, there's, my, <laughs> there's my hot tip to rival the quality of some of what we're hearing from, from Campy's hot tips as well. Um, oh, no, I don't have... I don't have my – we're not doing this live, so I don't have my sound effect board in front of me to press the hot tip. That's, I must make a note to insert that hot tip that's sound a, bite. <laughs> the hot tip. That's a very disappointing compliment. Yeah, um, yeah, look, I think we'd overrun and hoped to have um, an outcome – by now, um, I think there is that question of, well, what does this review board actually do and what's the process of that? Because obviously it's not as simple as it sounds um, when it comes to the validity of a of a contract. Um, and I think, you know, it's probably going to likely have something to do with whether or not he can kind of essentially get Piastri could get seconded to another team and whether that was part of it, who knows. But um, obviously not as, as straightforward as we as we all thought it was going to be. Um, other news of the week, this barely qualifies as news, but hey, I'm putting it out there because it's great, is Russell George showing up in Daniel Ricciardo merch, which I'm absolutely <laughs> here for. Um, and I'm sure that made you go and buy something, James. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I've spent far too money on DR's previous releases to warrant any purchases uh, of anything in him. Uh, look, I, I need that VB bucket hat. I've, I keep forgetting the, to, to purchase that. Uh, we should all do that together because we, VB needs a lift after being spun off into lap two uh, of that Grand Prix, uh, which was a big shame for him for, for last weekend. Uh, but I think it's great. I think it, what it shows, and it's sort of the Daniel sitting by himself doing his warm-up routine along the pit wall, Mick Schumacher joining him, then Russell George joining him, and then Alex Albon coming and sitting with him too. I think what it shows is that this is a sport where people on the outside, the the Netflix, the Twitterati, the uh, other podcasts, including us probably to a point as well, and, and everyone loves a bit of drama. Uh, and in fact, there are some really good friendships and good relationships in amongst the paddock. I just think back to last year and what happened at the end of Abu Dhabi, you think about the, the drivers that came up to Lewis Hamilton, for example, afterwards. You had Seb Vettel come up, um, give him a, a bit of a hug. You had DR come up, give Angela a hug first, and then Lewis. You had Lando Norris come up, Mick Schumacher come up. You know, they, these are guys who are getting absolutely crushed by Lewis Hamilton week in, week out. But we don't know who these people are. That, that is just the fact of the matter. That They are drivers, they're avatars of themselves on a racetrack and and that's fine. But I think behind closed doors, of course, they're certainly different. Maybe the younger generation of drivers is a little bit more open with us fans than than the older one. And certainly I remember Mark Weber on one of the first episodes of Beyond the Grid was basically like, there's too much access to drivers these days. I remember when I was a driver and no one spoke to me. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think there's probably some credit to, to that as well. And we're seeing maybe a little bit from, from the DR side. But what I would say is that he is very well respected amongst people all up and down the paddock. And uh, I think a lot of people want to see him at least treated that way going forward, whether or not he has a Formula 1 drive. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what merch Oscar Piastri wears in the next coming couple of races, I reckon. If he's allowed yeah. near the track at all, I think he's still in Endstone being locked up saying you can drive the simulator for your comments. 
he's, I was about to say he's deep in somebody's <laughs> bin. I don't know where, but uh, he he might it might take a while for him to emerge. Um, so speaking about uh, drivers and obviously driver market, we did hear a little bit today, I suppose, um, through we had the press conferences and heard from a few drivers in the in the media pen. There was there were some comments around um, seats and people who might be moving into those and mm. preferences for them. One comment which we heard, which I thought was a bit bizarre really was from Ocon um, when he was asked if he had a preference for the who he would race with as a team member next year. Now, when he first said this, I actually thought he was joking <laughs> because Mick was sitting right next to him. He kind of had a bit of a kind of a laughing, jovial tone and he said, oh, well, you know, if it was up to me, I'd be racing next to Mick. Um, he's, you know, showing that he can perform. It's really hard because his car has, you know, been on the back foot and, you know, but he's showing that he's really capable and he's a really nice guy. And then suddenly just the t- the way he was talking, I was like, oh, this guy is serious. He's for real. He's for some reason, thinking that he doesn't need to do what every other driver who has an open seat next to them is doing by saying, I don't know, I'm just here to race cars, that's the team's decision, maybe ask, you know, our team principal later, I'm just here focusing on my own race and I look forward to whoever my new teammate is and coming up with some, you know, equally diplomatic response. Um, yeah, I suppose I just thought that was a bit of a bizarre comment, which like I said at first I thought was a bit of a kind of, you know, elbow in the ribs as they were in the... Uh, in the press conference this afternoon, but um, what were your thoughts? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's not the first time that he said that in the last week or so. There's other other uh, news articles ahead of Belgium where he said similar things. Look, I think it's a good point in terms of seeing how the other drivers uh, are speaking about their empty seats. K-Mag is just busy having the best beard in Formula One and haircut. Uh, well, hmm. no, it's not a lie. It's a lie. Carla Sainz is. How dare I for being incorrect? <laughs> I was about to say. There is how dare I put a myself very clear in the number bin. one uh, haircut. Yes, yeah, very true. Exactly. Uh, but uh, and we'll talk a little bit in a bit about Alex Albon, but uh, these guys are not, you know, even Landon Norris, they're, they're not talking about who they think should be in that seat. As Lawrence Barreto said and as Jolian Palmer said, it's nothing to do with Ocon uh, and it is only fueling unnecessary rumours and pressures for people because at the end of the day, he is setting up Mick Schumacher for failure because there is just absolutely no way Mick Schumacher takes that seat ahead of Daniel Ricciardo, Pierre Gasly uh, or even Oscar Piastri. And and I think it's unfortunate because it's unlikely Mick is going to continue with Haas next year. There's conversations about Antonio Giovinazzi taking his, his position, of course, Giovinazzi, uh, is lined up, I'm pretty sure, for this weekend for a free practice session or maybe it was last weekend, I can't remember. But either way, there is some time for him to come back into the sport and he'll do a full K-mag after going to a really disappointing, pointless, as Buxton said in both sense <laughs> of the word, Formula E round uh, for last year and the early this year. But I think for Mick, it's, uh, you know, maybe that's what he's got left is, uh, is friends of his in the paddock. We are talking a little bit before about how people are supporting DR and I suppose in the same vein, it's nice that Ocon is supporting Mick in that same way. It's just, it's very different uh, to, to, you know, sitting with him or sort of wearing merchandise or something similar to that. So yeah. I, think, I think from that point of view, it was a bit odd. Uh, probably also Esteban will be really considering his position, noting all of these contracts that are being torn up effectively or changed. His contract is to 2024 uh, and I still have no idea why Alpine made that decision to sign him for such a long period of time. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he's really starting to look over his shoulder now and maybe thinking maybe not next year, certainly because they need a little bit of 
you know, can sort of continuality of continuality and make up some words and some continuity uh, <laughs> from this year of this car going into 2024. But uh, there's absolutely no reason to me why he should be signed for any, any longer than that. Uh, he's a good enough driver, sure, but he's not amazing. Um, and when you've got other drivers in the market who are younger and coming up, uh, for me, I think it's a bit stupid to, to start putting people in seats. So I think in both senses of that word, for him to be talking about Mick coming in, silly for him his own self to not be focusing on how to approach this as a team silly too because he's going to look like an idiot if oscar piastri ends up next to him next year let's continuality on um very the good. idea of mm. kind of those yeah ah uh, thank you uh driver relationships um lando got posed the question about kind of the the basis of his relationship with with carlos signs and i actually thought that was quite interesting um it was and it's a bit interesting question to ask in a press conference. It seemed a bit left field, but there was, I think, a bit of an insightful response there um, in terms, and this is very much talking about um, Lando's relationship with Carlos and has that changed since they've um, not been teammates and that type of thing. And they both actually provided some some context, which I think, you know, it's just good to bear in mind for, for all of us as spectators, whereby Carlos actually said, look, you know, I think we're actually better friends now that we're not teammates anymore because there is that whole teammate thing as long as you're racing alongside somebody whereby they are ultimately your number one competitor, but you're kind of forced to take on this, you know, collaborative I suppose not not facade necessarily because you do hear about teammates kind of helping each other out and helping each other to get established within the team because it's good for the for the whole team um, as opposed to just the individual racer. But um, he also La- uh, Lando in answering that question kind of he he raised the topic of Daniel in terms of saying look you know we've got a perfectly sound friendship for some reason people think that we don't. He's a bit older. His interests got different interests outside of F one and. Um, you know, that's okay. And I, I didn't mind kind of what he said in response to that. Like he obviously answered the question, but um, again, it it just did really highlight how much of our opinions are so <laughs> easily kind of guided by what we get um, got by shown on, whether it's um, not, so, not so much drive to survive because I think everyone can recognise how dramatised that is, but just the general kind of social media and just what is available to us. So I thought that was just a little bit of an interesting tidbit as we kind of, you know, <laughs> build our opinions um, on on the various drivers. Also for, for Carlos, he made an interesting point, which got, does kind of get us talking about um, the weekend coming up um, when it comes to their competitiveness against Red Bull. So this is obviously in the context of Ferrari kind of being uh, nothing short of attacked every weekend when they continue to make um, what would appear to be poor strategy decisions in particular. Um, but Carlos kind of said, you know, we seem to have really short memories in Formula One. You know, it was only in <laughs> France that I was overtaking Perez. Um, and we, we made actually Carlos, the team's kind of saying, you know, actually we made really good decisions last weekend in terms of the tyres that we started on when we decided to pit, all of this type of thing, and we're not getting praised for that. We're only picking up on the interesting decision when it comes to Carlos, um, sorry, when it comes to Charles pitting to try and take the fastest lap. Do you think we do that? Do you think we have short memories in F1 and we're too quick to count all of the mistakes and not highlight the successes? I can already hear failing Jester picking me up again for being too DR biased. But, yes, uh, we are absolutely very good at forgetting exactly what happened uh, and what kind of drivers pre- pre- people have been previously in previous years, but let alone earlier races. Uh, and I think uh, that goes the same, I think, for the, the 
people who were really sort of against Lando Norris in a lot of ways, they forget that, you know, the Imola podium this year, that was still something that happened this year for McLaren that is an absolute joke of a car. They, he still managed to get up there. So uh, we we do. <laughs> Not a funny one either. <laughs> no, we absolutely, yeah, we absolutely have narratives that suit ourselves. But uh, I think the interesting thing is looking at how certain drivers get you know, the, the I'm just going to, I was going to make up my own word again. The narrative that spe- stretches the whole year, right? So Max and Lewis championship battle, Charlotte Leclerc championship battle, you know, from early on in the year, that seems to be the, the constant theme across many different platforms for the whole year. Drivers like Daniel and Carlos and Seb and Fernando and Lando and a few others who maybe aren't necessarily selling headlines in big papers for, those kind of, you know, oh, Max is, you know, this far ahead now in the championship. Only the new cycle for them seems to be within one or two races and we move on and forget about stuff that happens. Um, you know, I think it was it's pretty clear that Daniel had a better grasp of this car in Barcelona. It was sick in Bahrain, so he couldn't do the testing, but it had a much better grasp of this car than Lando did, for example. Um, and so in both senses, you could say, well, Lan- Daniel got to grips very quickly with it, but Lando's then significantly improved over the year with it too. So there's two positives there, but we only really look at the negatives from a media spin point of view. And I think it's interesting with Carlos. Uh, it, it's very unfair. Obviously having the best hair in, in the business helps for a lot of things and having one of the best fathers <laughs> in the business standing at the back of the pit garage, also looking equally handsome with equally great hair. Uh, I think is for whatever reason, no one takes him seriously. And I don't understand that with Carlos Sainz. He comes from motorsport royalty. It's not the same as Verstappen. Uh, it's not the same as Schumacher and, and others. It's it's very bizarre to me. And I don't know if that's because it's an off-road, you know, a WRC thing to F1 thing and people aren't maybe as there is so much. But by all accounts, this guy is working exceptionally hard with Ferrari in a team that doesn't even know how to be a Formula One team. You know, calling the shots in the cockpit as he's driving around the car uh, to to be able to to have to defend himself in a press conference, I think, is a bit ridiculous. So I think for for Carlos Sainz, he's doing everything he needs to for this year. It just seems to be that this narrative seems to be very against him most of the time. And when he has a good performance, you know, gets pole in Silverstone, gets his first win, there's an a, an uptick. But then we look at you know Joe Guanyu's crash, and we look at George Russell's incident with. Uh, with Pierre Gasly, more so than talking about how good it was for Carlos Sainz. So I think it's an interesting news cycle for these other drivers that maybe aren't Charlotte Leclerc, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, it's interesting. It's when he has those successes, they seem to be written off almost as flukes. It's it's as though that mm. isn't kind of the feature of his performance, but actually he's been quite a consistent performer, especially when he has the the car to do it. So we'll hopefully it's his birthday today. So hopefully um, he has uh, a, yes. a good outcome this weekend. Um, unlike VB's birthday outcome, he will be <laughs> after job. a clean race this weekend. Um, he was on the podium here last year, obviously in a different car. What do you think we can hope for um, when it comes to Alfa Romeo this year? Well, this, this weekend? Absolutely nothing. I think we can hope absolutely nothing for anyone except for <laughs> Red Bull, to be honest. Uh, Red Bull are going to – they'll be – Alfa Romeo will be lapped by Max Verstappen at lap 10 um, along with the rest of the field. There is there is a lot of uh, – I don't know. Seems for Alfa Romeo, in, a, in an honest answer, in Alfa Romeo don't seem to be having a lot of uh, luck recently. Um, and one of the things that was an interesting comment by, uh, by Lawrence Barreto, he said that it seems that – Zhou Guanyu is, you know, getting better and almost Valtteri Bottas is maybe get, not getting worse but not necessarily 
you know, maintaining that level of consistency that we saw in Mercedes and or certainly saw at the very beginning of the year. So maybe it's it's VB getting worse and and Joe not doing a hell of a lot more than what he's currently been doing in his rookie year, although potentially enough to uh, be re-signed to Alfa Romeo. There is an empty seat next to VB, of course, for next year as well. I didn't mention that earlier, but it seems by all accounts that Joe will go there again. Um, but I think for Alfa Romeo, they just need to get it together. Whether or not, though, however, comma, they're really looking at this Audi potential purchase down the future. Who knows? I mean, Audi now being uh, obviously announcing they're, they're joining as a engine manufacturer. To me, uh, you know, the next logical step is for them to buy Sauber. Alfa Romeo departs the Sauber contract next year, I believe. So who knows? There, there could be uh, an Audi buyout of that team sooner rather than later. So they might not be so focused on the here and now, which might be disappointing for VB and for, and for Joe, but uh, maybe they're looking further ahead. I think that kind of investment from someone like Audi, I mean, these guys had their own wind tunnel, for example. McLaren don't have their own wind tunnel and that shows, but you know they, they do. And the, the Ferrari power unit is a good one, but if Audi are going to come in and build their own and they turn it into a works team, then potentially Sauber is sort of riding off the next couple of years and looking ahead. But uh, yeah, hopefully VB has more than one lap this time. Yeah, I mean, that would be an improvement on last weekend. Mm. So let's go with that. More than one lap. That's our that's our hope for VP this weekend. No, hoping that he does have um, a better demonstration. Like you said, it's um, it's it's hard to tell sometimes when you've got those two drivers next to each other who's who's getting better, who's doing worse, who's the same. <laughs> it's like when you're sitting in the car and you see the other car moving next to you. I'm like, am I going backwards or are they? <laughs> I can't see what's going on here. I'm sorry. I uh, I just <laughs> I I just I've been very distracted by my telephone, and the reason for that is. Tommy T has just sent me through the cover artwork for Campy's bin for the episode that will come out on Sunday and his message, <clears throat> he set me up for failure. Tommy, it's a video of Campy swimming in <laughs> a bin. <laughs> his message is this my is goal for this. This is also going to become a fitness podcast, by the way. Uh, yeah, well, he, no, Campy's having a rave in the middle of the pool. I think that's what we uh, took it out as. He's not swimming. He's just, you know, have, you know having some sort of... <laughs> arm and body movement. Uh, yeah. TT says my goal for this is for you to laugh out mid Freya's pod. Well, I've done that because it's ridiculous. This is, rid- oh, this is ridiculous. This is going to be the next Oracle. I'll hand over the crystal ball to, uh, to Tommy. This is ridiculous. That's very good. Uh, listen, you're going to have to wait till Sunday to see that. I'm not going to show you on this because <laughs> it's very good. Freya, I'll show you afterwards. Thanks Tommy for distracting me. All right. On, on that. Yep. Thanks Tommy. Just ruining podcasts that you're not even here for. That's great. <laughs> and then, and the lakeside, lakeside driveway in, entirely. Mm. Um, talking about the Lakeside Driveway, we've got some amazing supporters. James, do you want to tell us about them? Yeah, Patreon is something we set up uh, last week. And uh, as, as I mentioned in the last podcast, there is not going to be any content that you won't see. We might do, well, we will do some behind the scenes videos and some thank you videos directly to uh, you if you support us through Patreon as a, as a direct thank you. Um, and you can also join a, uh, a very specific Discord channel within our Discord server that's for patrons only. And uh, the, all of us uh, hosts will be more active in there than we will be on the main channel. It gives us uh, a few more people to focus on rather than the the epic amount of messages that happen over a race weekend, which is always good, and I'm still on there, but it's uh, anyway, it's it's more focused. And look, a massive thank you to Mark K, John B, who has not only supported the show but also given Campy a beanie, uh, sorry, a bucket hat. Um, <laughs> Ross and Melinda, the four of you, absolute superstars. Thank you so much for that. Uh, you're yep. all out of the bin. That is the that is the name of the tier of that support. Uh, you're out of the bin. So that's an official. You're out of the bin. Um, I don't have any stickers for that, but if I had one, I would. Would give you that. Uh, and if you want to support the show, 
Look, this is the second of the third podcast that will be coming out each week. Uh, you'll hear Tuesday mornings, Fridays, and Sunday mornings. We'll do regular content. Doesn't matter where we are in the world. Uh, we'll make sure that it reaches your ears so you've got more F1 stuff to talk about. Uh, and I, I love this podcast, to be honest, because there's so much that happens in the in the very lead up, those media Thursdays that we never really get to speak about because it's overshadowed by an accident in free practice or qualifying. So it's it's really good to be able to really have some time to talk about that. So if you like this sort of style, uh, you can consider subscribing, of course, to, to YouTube. That always helps. Getting over a thousand subscribers on YouTube is a big thing for us. It uh, doesn't cost you anything. It's just a click and you can help us in that respect. But yes, if you want to give your hard-earned dollary dues from wherever they are in the world, US dollary dues, Canadian dollary dues, <laughs> British pound dollary dues. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Uh, we, we appreciate a lot. So you guys are absolute legends. Thank you for being the first four in uh, in our Patreon. We'll get back to Freya's whatever that podcast is called in just a moment. But I want to tell you a little bit about our sponsor for this episode, NordVPN. Now, NordVPN is a product that I use. I've used it for years. And as I mentioned on our last episode, it's taken quite a few attempts by many companies to try to get in touch to get some sponsorship on this podcast. But as we move through and do new podcast episodes and series like this one, we need to start thinking a little bit more about that. So a massive thank you to Nord for sponsoring this podcast, but you might not know that Nord allows you to watch content all over the world, no matter where you are. So if you like Freya and you're in the Cayman Islands and you want to maybe watch something back here in Australia, if you get a little bit homesick, all you need to do is quite simply jump into the NordVPN app and select a country different to the one that you're in to be able to watch that content. For us, it might be the US or the UK, or if I'm traveling, I know that I can watch content back here in Australia. And of course, there is an absolute thing about having a peace of mind about your security. As I mentioned, I travel quite a bit to the point where in a couple of days, I'm hopping back on an airplane again and going across to London. Now, when I do that and I go through different terminals and lounges and sitting in random cafes in London on all kinds of Wi-Fi, because who can be bothered buying a SIM card, am I right? You need to make sure that your data is not being stolen and sold. It's just one of those things. And NordVPN has been honestly the easiest for that for me as I've been traveling. Now, there's a special deal at the moment. If you use the code at Lakeside Drive at NordVPN, you'll get two years at a massively discounted rate and four months free. Four months free. Unbelievable value with that. Simply head to nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive. You can find the link in the description below and you'll be able to see locked content from wherever you are in the world. You'll be secure as you surf the internet and you can have your info encrypted, of course, and you'll receive threat protection. So when you download something, if there's something that's been a bit dodgy, doesn't matter if you have other virus software, NordVPN will help you out and give you a warning. Go to nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive to receive an epic discount. And again, thank you, NordVPN, for sponsoring this podcast. Now, let's get back to it. All right. So another feature of Freya's Free Practice Fridays, uh, which is currently free-falling when in the name department, but uh, we'll get there eventually, um, is our our feature profiles. So we know that there's so many people involved, not just in Formula 1 but Formula 2 and Formula 3, um, and some people we get to hear lots about. We know their stories really well and there's probably not that much more to share really. But we also have a lot of people either behind the scenes, Formula 2, Formula 3 racers um, as in drivers, um, who we don't hear so much about. 
and it has spent less time in, in the spotlight. Now, in the last couple of weeks, there was a really exciting announcement, um, which was Tatiana Calderon, who is back in Formula 2 for the rest of this season, um, racing for Sherry Racing Systems, which no one, including Tatiana, saw coming. And we'll get to the story of how she um, kind of got the call to get in that seat in a minute. But she is the only woman to ever have raced in Formula 2. So we thought we'd do a bit of a highlight on uh, Tatiana to hear about what her racing kind of experience has been and and how she's ended up in Formula 2. And as I was doing a bit of research for this, James, I looked through this and I was like, right, so is there a series that she hasn't raced in? I'm thinking maybe we should just get her in Extreme E. Um, You know, why not uh, add that to the list? Um, She has raced all over the place um, and in so many different series. So she's a Colombian racing driver, um, 29 at the moment, and started karting in 2005 and was the first female to win a Colombian national karting title and then kind of really took a step into racing properly in 2009 um, in terms of her first kind of real go. And it was in 2010 when she made uh, her appearance in Star Mazda Series in the U.S., Now, what's really interesting from here on in is that she's kind of been described, you know, she always has this question asked about her about really is, you know, is she any good? And it's a really interesting question, I think, because it's not necessarily a question that we ask about many other people um, and in particular kind of male um, racing drivers because, you know, her kind of her race finishes across all these different series kind of at best kind of sit around the sixth, seventh mark but all go all the way down to you know, 21st, 22nd, depending on how many um, competitors there were. And I just find it really interesting that that's even a conversation that we have. And I just wonder if, you know, if it was anybody else would be having that question. But, you know, it does it does kind of start there um, in that, that first race in 2010. Didn't do super well, I think 10th in the championship overall, but didn't seem to phase her too much. And you know, her goal was IndyCar, absolutely. Um, but following the horrific cat crash in 2011, um, really led her away from the series. Although it sounds like in interviews with her, it's really led her parents away um, from that series, and understandably so. Um, when you see the um, the kind of the fatal outcome of of that accident, which which happened, but. The next step for her was to move over to Europe, which is obviously pretty common um, for a lot of people who are trying to build their careers um, in motorsport. So she started competing um, part-time in European F3 Open Series from 2011 to 2015. Again, pretty mixed results and what you'd kind of describe as average. <laughs> it's, um, there were, it's, it's an interesting one, like I said, when it comes to the questions that kind of hang over a driver's um, career. Um, but over those uh, four years, you know, very, very mixed results. What was really interesting and a lot of think, think a lot of people were quite surprised by potentially um, was in 2017 when she became a F1 development driver for Sauber um, and then ultimately test driver for became Alfa Romeo Sauber. Um, and has been working with them um, for the last couple of years, or sorry, between 2017, 2019, um, ultimately landing in Formula 2 as the first female Formula 2 driver in a pink car, no less, which I'm just not sure if, you know, that was in a way I kind of go, is that it's actually the best looks occasionally um, in terms of, you know, but, but then maybe that's how stars align. Um it was a tough start to the season. She she really said that she kind of struggled with the car from the get-go, um, but 
still within that um, that season, Baku, first female driver to lead a, for, a race in Formula 2, which, again, I think whilst you have these questions that can overshadow a career when it comes to ultimately, and we'll just say it, you know, mediocre results on paper, still setting so many um you know, achievements and being the first person to to do these things, which is still incredible. Um, and I think anybody who is kind of at the forefront of trying to achieve these things um, for any reason, them being the first um, person to do it in any um, you know, category, so to speak, um, is always going to be is always going to be hard. Not to mention the fact that she was um, racing alongside uh, Antoine Hubert, which obviously would have been just an immensely challenging experience for her, not only because of the emotional turmoil that she would have experienced in that first season, but then, you know, he was a phenomenal driver. So she had a very tough, um, you know, kind of benchmark set for her. So really interesting now um, because back in Formula 2, she feels like she left with unfinished business um, after she exited after that season where her best um, finish was 11th, I think. Um, she exited Formula 2 at the end of 2019 um, and, again, we just add to that list of series <laughs> so many um, in terms of where she's competed. Um, so 2021, 2020, 24-hour um, Le Mans, Super Formula Le Mans series amongst many others and now fast forward to 2022 and obviously something changed there and she did end up in IndyCar, which is I think just interesting after you've kind of moved away from from that series but, you know, you've obviously maintained that that passion or that desire um, and that, that goal I would say really stuck with her to, to race in IndyCar, which leads us to how she found out about her call-up to Formula 2 in this season. So she said that she was at home in Colombia, was in tears because they hadn't been able to confirm sponsorship for IndyCar for the last two rounds in September. So she was thinking, that's it, I'm not racing for the next six months at best kind of thing. And basically got a call as they were trying to plan out, you know, what her options were. Perhaps you should just be in Europe. Um, just this is this is where you need to be. Got on a plane as soon as she could, and sure enough, you know, the Tuesday after arriving, she got a call up and went for a seat fitting the next day. Um, now, what's interesting is that she also tested with them back in 2018, and due to that, she's like, you know, there were some things that were actually already ready for me to go, basically. Um, and even back then, she was kind of saying that she immediately clicked with the car as well as the team. So we'll see how she goes um, these last couple of races. Obviously, she's coming in mid-season, which is going to be really, really difficult. Um, that's difficult in any um, kind of team environment in particular, um, but also going back into a racing series that has changed massively since she was last there as well. You know, she's never raced in the cars with these tyres and it's going to be very different for her. So it wasn't a super inspiring um, kind of performance in Spa. She finished in 18th um, in the feature race, but, again, coming in mid-season, never driven with, with those um, bigger tyres, um, it's going to be difficult for her. And she'll benefit from having a few races in close succession, I think, just to come to terms with with the car, with the team and all of those things. What I hope, though, is that that is enough to kind of gather a little bit of momentum and then potentially um, get some even some some solid performances towards the end of the season and see where she goes for next year. But I think what's going to be difficult, um, and she talks about this openly, and she's I know she's been mentored by Susie Wolfe as well um, throughout her now quite extensive, you know, general racing um, career, is for people who are involved in 
coaching, mentoring, training, and then working alongside female racing drivers is just how different they are. And she talks about it in terms of saying, you know, this isn't about um, the idea that, um, you know, males and females are, are all the same and capable of the same things. She's like, we're cap- all ca- capable of amazing stuff, but we are different and that's okay. And we don't need to make a big deal of it. I just need you to understand it, which I thought was an interesting way um, to put it. But from an athlete perspective, we're talking about things like, you know, physical differences, obviously hormonal differences. We think differently, you know, how you cognitively process information um, can be quite different, which when it comes to a sport like Formula 2, where we know there's a lot of both physical but also neuro training um, involved, that cognitive load once you're on, when you're under physical load as well, is going to be quite different in terms of how you would approach that training with a female. And she's kind of said, you know, there's lots of people who know how to train men but they don't know how to train women for the same sport, which just is an, again, interesting idea um, and could present a new challenge to any trainers out there who are looking to diversify their clientele potentially. Um, but, you know, again, even in um, even in sports like Formula or with, or with any motorsport racing, you know, things like seat position and stuff like that because our body shapes are different. Um, car fittings and being in the right position because we tend to have longer legs, men tend to have longer torsos and actually making sure that you are in um, an optimal position um, when it comes to position in the car. So that's going to be an interesting challenge for for her and for hopefully any of, well, for any other um, successes who, who come into the sport at this level. I think the last thing, of course, um, which we, you know, we do talk about though, is going to be the fact that she's going to have to work a million times harder just to justify being there. Um, you know, anybody else who kind of sits in 10th, there's just not really those those questions asked. They'll say, okay, well, they're probably not going to be a Formula One driver, but, you know, they're, they're obviously very talented and they are where they are. Whereas for her, it's always going to be that question of should you even be racing? Um, so I think, you know, she is doing the hard work for a lot of um, women in the future who want to race at this level. Um, and that's why I go back to my point earlier of kind of saying, you know, it's going to be easy for her race results on paper to overshadow the quite amazing achievements that she's um, that she's made for, for women in motorsport. So very interesting to see how she goes for the rest of the season um, and, you know, if we see her again in, in Formula 2 next year. I think one of the, the disappointing things, as you mentioned, is that she has to justify herself. Um, for my mind, the team should be justifying why they're so rubbish. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, not, they're, not de- they're not performing. They're not delivering a car that is going to allow her to shine. If she was driving Oscar Piastri's you know, 2020, uh, 2021 sorry, Formula 2 car or driving Jack Doohan's uh, car now, there'd be a completely different kind of conversation. A lot of these cars are very similar, yes, but there are better cars in Formula 2 than other teams, better cars in Formula 3 than other teams too. I mean, Prema Art Grand Prix is at, currently in the lead at the moment. These are the names that, you know, Virtuosi Racing, the names that you think of when you think of Formula 2 and, and 3 and um, the team that she's entering this, I couldn't even t- tell you what it's called off the top of my head. The team that she's entering in this, uh, <laughs> this the second rather of four races is is going to be, you know, t- unable to deliver her something that's going to be fast enough. Um, of course, the drives around her have, have had a full season, but as you said, Freya, it's good for her though to get in the triple header right in the smack bang in the middle of the, the season before they head to Yas Marina at the end of the season. Be a very big break for her as well between that time. So, yeah, interesting to see how she goes. And I don't think, uh, you know, I, it's 
18th wasn't really indicative of her pace. It's the first time that she's been in this car for the race weekend. So hopefully, hopefully this uh, this track at Zandvoort is good for a Formula 2 car. I'm already bored thinking about Formula 1 for this circuit, but hopefully <laughs> F2 gets a little bit more interesting. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about this weekend and predictions. And I'm going to go first because it's my podcast and I can do what I want. So um, – <laughs> Thinking about this week, obviously Spa, such a different circuit. Um, Spa, we have those really high-speed straights. It's very realistic to see lots of overtaking, which we did last weekend. Um, Zandvoort is basically the opposite. It's narrow, it's high downforce, passing is going to be difficult. Maybe not as difficult as it has been in previous years because of the new cars, but difficult nonetheless. Um Shorter front straight, Red Bull won't have quite as much of an advantage, I don't think, in comparison to last week, um, but also shorter laps, so perhaps the differences won't be as massive. Um, you know, even if there is a big gap there, we just won't see it in terms of track times. But um, it's also a track that's pretty tough on the tyres, partially because of the banking, which I'm just really excited about. I love that shot where you get the cars exiting pit lane and you get the other ones who are still on the track absolutely flying around that last corner. It's just a phenomenal shot, which I am excited to see. Um, I only need to see it once, but uh, but that'll be good. Um, and generally speaking, Red Bull have been a bit better on tiger degradations than, than, um, than Ferrari. So qualifying is going to be important. Um, so thinking about who's good at qualifying <laughs> with that in mind, my – Podium predictions uh, is going to be Max because I think boring, but that's just what's going to happen. Um, I think we'll see Charles back up there. Um, I think so I'm going Max, Charles, and then George for me. Mm. And then come the race, in terms of what's going to happen, Hamilton's going to lose his tyres on like lap six. Latifi is going to remain the only driver with no points and will prove once again that backmarkers are as dangerous as anybody else when it comes to ruining your race. Um, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that Max Verstappen is winning this to the point where I've remembered and have selected him as my mega driver for this weekend in fantasy. Um, How inspired of you. <laughs> the home crowd advantage. Uh, yes, also for you, tell me your Dutch without telling me your Dutch. Uh, but for, <laughs> I think I think George will probably get it together a little bit better than last weekend. I think uh, they, he, as he said, he went out too hard on tyres and could have managed a little better. So I think he'll be more competitive this weekend. Ferrari will be useless at anything they try and do. So I think while the pace for Charles or Carlos will be there, one of the cars will catch on fire and the tyre strategy you go wrong with the other one. So that'll <laughs> put them around fourth or fifth. I think a car to watch is Fernando Alonso, to be honest. That car is incredibly uh, incredibly good. Um, and noting other problems that other teams are having, Ferrari, potentially Mercedes, potentially that uh, second Red Bull, potentially Max. I mean, we we still haven't you know sorted out all these gremlins, I don't think, with the Red Bull powertrains yet. So there's still potential for something to go wrong. Um, McLaren will be rubbish. Uh, Aston Martin will be rubbish. Williams will be rubbish. Haas will be okay. <laughs> Um, Alpine will be better than okay. Uh, Alpha Tower would be rubbish. And um, sounds like your bin is getting pretty full as well over there. But look, none of this really matters because we're not going to be able to see the race because of the orange smoke. So, well, that's you know, right. Maybe Alonso yeah. will win and we won't <laughs> even know about it. But it's a yeah. track that's all about driver risks and being willing to take those risks and, you know, just how flat out they take it through those banked corners. You've got an open DRS for, I think, turn 10. Um, and so, yeah, that all sets it up for Alonso just doing whatever the hell he wants, which <laughs> yes. could be an interesting outcome. Seriously. 
Yeah. And I think just finding inside lines where, I mean, there's only been one Formula One event at this track in the last, you know, couple of years. So I think the fact that the cars are completely different from last year, the data is completely out the window all over again. And for them, they'll be looking at what they can actually do in terms of racing lines. And Fernando Alonso is at one with that Alpine at the moment. So the opening lap, I think, is going to be pretty impressive by him. In qualifying, he's going to be able to, you know, take some more risks. And again, because he's not, it doesn't have to be in the thought process of, putting myself up against a younger driver to to claim my worth the seat next year I think he's more relaxed which is only going to make him faster for this weekend so Nando is absolutely the one to watch in my mind because Max will be too busy through the the bloody smoke of all of the canisters of flares that <laughs> exist in the Netherlands will be opened on lap one of that Grand Prix. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's it for this week. And if you listen to any of those predictions, then you should just bet on the opposite because we're always wrong. But uh, that's it for <laughs> the first episode of Fabulous Freya's Fantastic Formula One Fridays. Um, feel free to come up with something better, please. <laughs> Um, Don't forget, though, that you can support the show by either subscribing to our YouTube channel, um, grabbing some merchandise, grabbing a NordVPN subscription or jumping onto our Patreon link via the link in our bio. Thanks, James. Thank you, Freya, for having me on whatever this is called. (laughs) No worries. See you next week. Uh, so that's my prep for this episode. <laughs> I'm going to do as little prep as possible, just like everyone else does for okay. me. No, I'm kidding. I've I've done a lot more prep than that. No worries. Oi, don't put me in that category. It's not no, fair. I know that's too fair. <laughs> for Extreme E and for Inside McLaren um, Applied, that's all okay. absolutely true. But for Lakeside <clears throat> Drive, you're like, Carlos should win and fuck everybody else. That's what I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Next week on me thinking Carlos should win again. I've never said that. Sports Social Podcast Network.